Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. First half of the Bad Batch Season 2 is over, but we're just getting started over here at Post Show Recaps. Welcome, my friends. Welcome, one and all. It is I, Rich Filiberto, DM Philly, out here on the internet, your friendly neighborhood podcaster and dungeon master, and I am excited to be talking Star Wars once again with the one and only Brendan Fitzpatrick. Brendan, how are you? Rich, it's great to be back. Uh, we still have a long time to go before Bad Batch Season 2 is over. But I'm really glad we get to stop down and talk about uh, episodes three through eight here. Uh, yeah, really I got to um, yeah. I got to knock the rust off the old Starfighter, Brendan. I missed a great <laughs> opportunity for hello there. Um, yeah. So let hello me just there. say now, hello there, um, hello there, Brendan. The Bad Batch season two, the first half is a wrap. We have watched all the episodes. We we had gotten together and talked about the first pair after they mm-hmm. dropped, and said if we're feeling it, we'll come back and we'll uh, we'll dive back in. So here we are at the halfway point. Uh, what do you think so far? How are you feeling? Here's the thing: is that I wasn't totally feeling it through like the first couple after we left, mm-hmm. and then by episode six, seven, and eight, I was like. All right, let me do a gut check with Rich and Mike and see see what we think about coming back because I think that we really left season two, the first half of season two of The Bad Batch in a really great place where, hey, guess what, Rich? We were right. I'm going to say you were right, Brandon. You nailed it. Uh, We're like moving on track towards this whole story of the kind of um, the the deauthorization of the clones and like the Mm -hmm. onboarding of the stormtroopers. It's a really interesting story. I'm with you in that. I think that this show has an incredible amount of variance, right? Peaks and valleys. Some of these episodes I thought were awesome. And I Mm -hmm. was really like hooked in, riveted, deeply compelled. Uh, Episode three, especially. You and I talked about the first two. I 
watched the third and was like, wow, this is trading big time off the Andor vibes. And yep. there's a lot of stuff here that I really dig. But then four and five are another circus altogether. And so we'll uh, yeah, talk about it a little bit. But um, yeah, much more yeah. the Saturday morning cartoon vibe between four and five that we were talking about in our first podcast of like it, it, it peaks and valleys much like the, the original Clone Wars series itself where you have overarching plot arcs and then you have little nonsense one-off plot episodes and i would say that's a feature not a bug like to me that's part of the way that um the vehicle of this kind of animation and the short form storytelling i'm saying short form like there Mm -hmm. it gets this big robust long season run right we're looking at a 16 episode season but they're 23 minute episodes and in Mm -hmm. the way that clone wars which is one of my favorites i just was talking to you about it before we turned on the mics here and so much of clone wars i did kind of watch as second monitor content right but Mm -hmm. then you would hit these specific arcs that are awesome and that are compelling and that attack like your particular interest in Star Wars and part of the joy that we spend so much time talking about on these podcasts is that Star Wars covers a lot of ground man we're, mm-hmm. we're going from like you know the the battle for Endor like Ewok specials to the Empire Strikes Back from Andor to mm-hmm. uh, Clone Wars right and there's a lot of variety in the kinds of stories we tell the tone of the stories that we're telling and to a degree i think that like that's part of what's so cool about these animated shows is that Mm -hmm. they get to span the width and breadth of star wars they can kind of do it all we can take two episodes for like uh Mm -hmm. you know the crazy like racing on a backwater outer rim planet (laughs) and then we can like go deep into like some imperial machinations and then we can deal with like runaway jedi right Yeah, that's one of the great things about the Star Wars television apparatus is that it can expand the galaxy to be much more massive and all-encompassing, and you can tell any kind of story in the TV format, whereas, you know, the films are very insular and singular and plot-focused around exactly the story they want to tell in a two- to three-hour segment, and they, they really contract the world back in and on itself Mm -hmm. when the shows get to expand the galaxy out to its widest reaches out into the outer rims if you will and provide us with all this extra content that we're not getting from movies yeah it's such a great point Brendan. i think that like if you're into the world building and the and the the like expansiveness that is the star wars kind of galaxy it's really the place to be is the television mm-hmm. shows it's in the clone wars and rebels and now bad batch is the kind of spiritual successor to those two and the way that we get to really dive in and run these like two three episode arcs sometimes in these absolute kind of nowhere planets and make these really interesting stories happen in the lesser kind of focused on parts of the galaxy so very cool we'll talk it through we're going to run down the kind of episodes just sort of beat for beat and circle Mm -hmm. back around at the end part of my other observation and like tell me where you stand on this brendan but um for better or for worse as i think that the disney star wars era has been we can say a hit and miss across the board Mm -hmm. there are people who really love a lot of the stuff that we've gotten in the last five years and and equally dislike 
like some of the same stuff, right? It's very controversial. It's very um, inconsistent in terms of the reception that we get from the fans. But I do feel like more so than ever in the last like two years, these properties are all like hewing much closer together than they ever have before. All of this stuff feels much more interconnected and the way that the kind of stories are cross-pollinating one another, like it feels less siloed and compartmentalized than it did in the days of yore. And I dig that. I really enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah, it's kind of funny that like the last two episodes we watched from this second half of the Mad Batch were called the clone conspiracy. And when you think about all of the properties we've gotten so far, maybe, you know, maybe with the exception of Andor, there is some sort of hint at least of a clone conspiracy connection yeah. in every one of these properties. And and it's like Dave Filoni for better has an overarching vision of where he wants this story to go so that ultimately it not only connects to the films, but maybe fixes some of the stuff that people didn't like so much about the last film that came out um, oh, and um... sort of, you know, sort of tries to put a put a put a patch on the wound that was that a lot of people felt with rise of skywalker you know what i mean uh, yeah and for it's, sure it's it feels good to know that mm-hmm. there is a um like five like brain trust at the helm right and that we're going somewhere with exactly. intent we're not just kind of like stumbling through the galaxy entirely lost uh it's a very encouraging feeling exactly um, yeah, yeah. I just like the way that it feels like so many of the themes are tying back in, but yeah, the Mm -hmm. clone conspiracy, definitely trackable and a lot of rumor rumors out there in the star Wars verse these days Mm -hmm. about uh, forthcoming properties. There'll be plenty of time to talk about these things in the upcoming weeks as we're sort of uh, firing up the ships and dusting everything off, getting Mm -hmm. ready for Mando to return into our lives. Not too long from now, but for today, our mission, Brendan, is the bad batch uh so dare i say but should we just go down the line here and talk through them i mean i i mean how can we not i mean we we lamented the fact that we left episodes one and two of season two without a whiff of crosshair without even a mention of crosshair and the first thing we get in the first episode that we didn't podcast about yet is a crosshair centric episode and it's beautiful Welcome yeah, to our TV the solitary stream. clone. Yeah. I love this one, Brendan. It, it felt so, um, again, the way that the kind of energy mirrored a lot of the vibe and the tone that we got with Andor. It was almost like noir for that whole first half of it. Mm-hmm. I love just a lot of the, the imagery that we get here. We get to play back to some of our favorites. Always good to see Cody show up yeah. and, and the kind of mirroring of these two being sent on this mission together with these very different viewpoints and philosophies philosophies about their role in the galaxy what's happening this transition period uh one of my favorites i found it really really riveting and and really fun action right to just see crosshair yeah. like doing his thing throwing the pucks on the wall the like magic bullet ricochet shots like cool stuff there yeah and just to reset a little i mean if anyone is has forgotten commander cody was obi-wan's clone commander for his role in uh the clone wars so cody was the one that tried to assassinate Obi-Wan on Utapau as he rode away on the squealing lizard dinosaur thing on Utapau. Um, So it's nice to see Cody pop back up here and sort of reset Cody as a character. 
it's great for fans i mean that's really great context brandon for anybody Mm -hmm. that doesn't like know the clone war as well there there's so much more depth that you get out of the prequel trilogies once you watch the clone wars especially out of revenge of the sith but um Mm -hmm. to to have like cody and rex with these breakout clones that really became these awesome characters that are literally carbon copies of all of the people around them and that's such a great kind of achievement that the clone wars can hang its hat on for whatever it's worth they made some awesome characters the fact that we can yeah. like have these really rootable clones that are literal clones <laughs> out of like the printing press was was always something i took away from that show is very very cool but yeah fun it's to really, yeah it's really fantastic like especially because i don't think we've really thought about what happened to cody after revenge of the sith like at all and so it's nice to see some closure for him and maybe the beginning of an arc for him as he's gonna, you know, become disillusioned just like many other clones before him throughout the series have so far and end up going AWOL at the end of this episode. Yeah, just very In cool. the wind, in the wind. Uh, and is he gonna meet up with Rex? Is he gonna form his own faction? We don't know, but I really hope that this is the last we see of him this season. I, I love the mirroring that we got between mm-hmm. them and especially um, the the like juxtaposition of all the base scenes. Again, they just felt so noir to me. And as we close, the kind of way that we we bookended the episode of like Crosshair coming in in the beginning, sitting down at the table, getting called in the kind of ramparts and then coming back at the end. And now he's actually got his armor back, right? He's got the black like trooper armor and he's surrounded by all the other clones that are like wearing the white armor. It was such like a, if on the nose, but a great, kind of metaphor for the solitary clone the whole title Mm -hmm. of the episode and his being like such a soldier he's good soldiers follow orders orders, he's so kind of indoctrinated and and um just like in route with that but meanwhile he's so apart from all the rest of them he stands so apart and my big question for you at the end is as like rampart is telling him cody went awol the clone's loyalty it's interesting how all these people around you seem to keep disappearing mm. Are, do you take that as like foreshadowing of crosshairs like doubling down into this antagonistic a good soldiers follow oil i think it is i think it is um i think he's becoming more and more fascistic and more and more loyal to what the empire is doing and it's kind of ironic because as you said he's so separate and alone <laughs> from all of the clones that are around him he, I think that he could see, you could see a world where he's so disillusioned by the clones that he's been dealing with through the, the last, you know, season and a half, that when clones start going AWOL on Moss and forming up little pockets of rebellion, he's like, well, I never liked them anyway. They were, you know, and res- ends up resenting them and being like, you're, you were, I was the, I was the true master clone i was the true number one best clone and you all suck and i'm just gonna go start killing all of you basically 
it, yeah, like, it yeah. tracks. I tend yeah. to like lean towards you, right? I, I mm. think that like that's the route we go. But I also felt it was a really wonderfully ambiguous scene in terms mm. of how we close it, that you can have this question. No spoilers. I'll tread very lightly here. Right. But we had a lot of similar discourses. We were talking about Andor in real time, about right. a couple of the characters there. And it, like, is this arc about them being galvanized in their like belief of the Empire and their faith? Right in this fascist regime or is this about them becoming disillusioned and it's so like it's just so compelling to travel along the arc of a story where you're not sure which way it's going to go because it really all of this information depending on on the perspective of the person taking it in could really like lend credence to either side of the argument and it's very riveting i I really think this was like a standout for me yeah Uh, i think so too and i think maybe that's you know part of part of the andor arc is leaning into my uh you know my my feeling that he's going to stay loyal to the empire maybe that's just my own you know bias of what we've seen so far so me if they swerve on me great like i think i'll be happy either way with crosshair but i also think that based on episodes we see later on in the season so far, it would really bum me out if, you know, we have yet another, we lose one character to get one character back. And it, it, it I don't know that it would feel earned. Yeah, at this I point totally feel you. For them we'll to see. welcome Crosshair back in with open arms. We'll see where we go. Uh, The music Mm. too, Brandon, this one with like the weird creepy synth that just was Mm. so, it brought me right back to those Android days. And I was like, yeah, man, I love this vibe. It's very cool that we're doing this on the animated show as well. Right. Um, So we roll out of here in episode four faster, not quite pod racing. I got excited, Brandon. I thought for a minute Ben Quadraneros might show up. (laughs) Was it? Yeah. uh, They call this riot racing. Yeah, or droid droid pod racing, basically droid run pod racers. You know, uh, alien run pod racers are too dangerous. Uh, we can't. We so I mean, there are a couple of aliens that are able to fly these. Um, but yeah, basically, Sid, Wrecker, Tech, and Omega go to the planet Sokotoma because she owes a debt to some other guy. Um, this this gangster played by. Voice acted by Ernie Hudson, of all people. Oh, wow. I thought his voice was familiar. I never would have guessed it was Ernie Hudson, a Ghostbuster, man. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's very, very cool to see Ernie Hudson pop up here. Um, And basically, they they, they back this droid, uh, also voiced by a famous actor, uh, Ben Schwartz of uh, the After Party and Parks and Rec fame. Voices the Teo droid that is gonna race Sid Sid's racer at first to try to clear her debt, um, and who eventually crashes. But this, I thought this was a really solid episode for building out Tech as a character, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because you're going into this and you're like, okay, I've seen this before. The droid is gonna crash. They're gonna need a pilot. Omega is gonna be the pilot and win the race. The and foreshadowing. Then it do that. 
the foreshadowing is very overt as he's like i have not yeah. studied this yet you know exactly um, yeah but we we talked a bit in those early episodes about the, the distinguishing of tech and really kind of like yeah. separating out the roles for the people it was very fun i love that we didn't get like any hunter in these last episodes no. right it's kind of interesting to take the lead guy and the more prominent characters and kind of shunt mm -hmm. them off and get to focus in on a more motley assortment here right uh the, you know right. i the riot racing very fun right i mean we're just getting into like star wars mm -hmm. roller derby which is cool we're pulling big time on these like pod racing uh energy and vibes from back in the day the same but different it's very fun in that kind mm -hmm. of way i like the way that we're creating a little bit of like a question here about sid and the dynamic between them all of, like oh you guys are so loyal to sid but like don't forget sid's kind of like uh uh you know grimy gangster like yeah. Uh, you maybe can't trust her as well as you think you can, right? And this mm -hmm. droid, Brendan, Teo, uh, just before <laughs> Obi-Wan released, you and I and Grace and Mike Bloom and, and Josh Wiggler himself, we got together and we played the Star Wars tabletop role-playing game. Yeah. Uh, it's the VOD is out there on my YouTube channel. The podcast is back here in the Star Wars feeds. If you want to go look it up, we had a really good time. But Mike Bloom played a character who was a droid on the, your ship. You were a ship's captain. And yep. Teo just immediately to me, Brendan, I was like, yeah, yeah. it's Mike Bloom. Oh, yeah. Mike Bloom has entered yeah. the Star Wars verse. This character <laughs> is like, could so easily be portrayed by Mike Bloom. Uh, and I think I had like much more fun with Teo because of like, that interpretation my yeah. personal headcanon yeah it was great and I, especially like the you know as soon as i realized that it was ben schwartz doing the voice i was like much more sold on the sassiness of teo as a character and just his whole vibe was really really fantastic um I, yeah it's I, a big big mike blue energy as well yeah. I love the Roadrunner bit too, that like mm. Teo just keeps getting obliterated and they just yeah. like pick his up. And I'm like, yeah. I've got Teo, you know. Uh, really, it was funny. It was a fun little episode. Yeah, it, didn't, it, was... uh, it didn't like hook me as much as three did, right? In terms of like right. the greater content, but it really was like a fun 20 minutes, man. Yeah, this was like one where I was just like really happy to wake up on a Wednesday morning and make my breakfast cereal and watch a, you know, essentially a Saturday morning cartoon episode before I before I had to log on to work to my work laptop. <laughs> it was like it was nice to wake up and, you know, pour some coffee and have my cereal and just enjoy this 20 minute, you know, episode where I could just take it and then leave it. And it was just fun. It was fun. Like it wasn't bad. It was really well constructed. It was really well voice acted with all the guest actors. It was fun, but, you know, sometimes you need that breather before the rest of the plot starts to kick in, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. Like the fun jaunts here. I mean, it is, um, lest we forget, we have like a kid in the main cast, right? There right. is like, they're like aiming for a youthful audience here. This is a fun cartoon. It really is like that energy. Uh, yeah. That rolls us into episode five, Entombed, it's called. Uh, Wanda Sykes, we get our Wanda Sykes pirate back, Fiji Noah. We kind of clocked mm -hmm. her as somebody that would end up taking on a bigger role. This is really just a riot for me because again, yeah. we get like Sam Regal and Liam O'Brien playing these like small dudes that are hanging out in Sid's barn and it's mm. just like wild for me to have those people voice acting with Wanda Sykes and Rhea Perlman and like yeah. uh, very weird energy but we're going on a treasure hunt Brandon yeah it's a it's our Indiana Jones homage episode which yeah, I, I thought sure. was really really fun and you know this this episode actually pairs really well with faster 
because there are like important lessons that Omega is learning from all these random adventurers for the first half of the season. And this is another win where she's sort of learning what the real value of certain things is, like where, where real treasure is, where it can be found, how to let go Indiana, you know? Yeah. And it's a lesson that she's going to continue to have to learn throughout the season. You know, I also particularly loved it. it, it a huge D&D vibes, Brandon, in terms mm-hmm. of what you're talking about, of like the random encounters garnering her experience yeah. to uh, level ups by the end of the season. Sure. So she could like bring a little bit more weight to the party here. Like I, I, I felt that across these. Um, I also really kind of love the MacGuffin here, this weird little map device. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is great. Like somebody uh, print this out, put it on billboards all over. <laughs> like the star wars headquarters this is an excellent way to create like a star map to a very old place not like a ship that maybe crashed 20 years ago and yet we have an ancient star map too i really like i loved it i i love the, the incorporation of like the droid here too the whole way that like the map works like it was a really small thing but i enjoyed it um, yeah, yeah star wars star wars between you know the cartoons and the live action and especially the video games, like if you can make a quest out of getting a map and figuring out how to make that map work and then having to get that map to somebody else, those are some of the most fun ones. Like there was big um, uh, Knights of the Old Republic energy in this episode. There was big like, um, oh, the freaking one, Calcastus. Um, uh, Jedi Fallen Order, Fallen Order side quest vibes in in this episode and i i thought it was really really fun especially with like the different puzzles that we have to figure out and you know they uh, they love a star map visual yeah like, they really much. do yeah. huge fall in order vibes i think mm. that that's a really great callback and calcast is coming back into our lives pretty soon brendan yeah um sure. calcast is uh the the lead character of jedi fall in order which was like a hugely successful video game that's going to be followed up by jedi survivor which is yeah. kind of wild to me that they literally have named jedi yeah. survivor. <laughs> I mean, like, especially from our background brendan it's just yeah, too no. are, are we gonna make a jedi survivor brat steal for the release of jedi? i mean i feel like we have to, right? <laughs> yeah, right it's gonna be like boston rob versus yeah. obi-wan you know it's gonna be all this no it's just gonna be all the jedi that survived order 66 in a giant uh that's very much an option <laughs> very much <laughs> i feel like calcastus is a character guaranteed he's portrayed by cameron monahan uh i think that this guy mm-hmm. is guaranteed to hit live action star wars to be i, like I think so too. one of the yeah. first like transitional characters that is born out of the video game franchise and ends up coming into the the feature properties he's just uh really compelling it's a really good story and people are psyched i know that there's been like a little bit of interest in psr about uh Jedi Survivor podcast. And so yeah. let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at DM Philly. Uh, yeah. Hit us up in Discord in the Star Wars channels and let make some noise if that's something mm-hmm. that you would love for us to be doing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. This was pretty light, Brendan. The treasure mm. hunt, right? There yeah, wasn't a lot it. to like take out of this. Uh, yeah. you know, Wanda Sykes, it's like very fun to see her show up as a Star Wars character. Yeah. Uh some fun like Hondo energy in her character, yeah. the kind of a reverend pirate. She's really not taking anything too seriously. The literal like winks and nods to Omega as like mm. everybody else is being like so serious about all of this. And she's like, Come on, like enjoy the ride a little bit of much lighter Star Wars fare, which was super, super fun. Yeah, this was the episode I definitely had the least amount of notes on. I just was sort of having fun with this one, watching it. And it was, like, really nice to just hang out with these characters on this ridiculous Indiana Jones homage adventure. And, I, yeah, I, I had a good time with this one. Um, For sure. Episode 6, Tribe. He's back, baby. It's Gunji. It's our it's favorite Wookiee Jedi, Brendan. Yes. Uh, I was so delighted as the small Wookiee comes like tumbling out of the cage and we see him do some like badass melee combat. I'm like, mm. wait, could it be? Is and... it possible? Is it him? Is it my favorite Wookiee Jedi? I, of course, um, like overly indulgent on my Wookiee affection. I'm a huge Wookiee fan. I don't know many people other than Jess Sterling who don't like Wookiees. Uh, Jess's problem might specifically be with just Chewbacca, just she, specifically Chewbacca. She I think she would. would like I think she would take Gunji. one look at Gunji and her heart would melt. And she would yeah, that's yeah. pretty true. I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to disparage you, Jess. Mm-hmm. Really, uh, we love you out here. I love a Wookiee, Brendan. I love a Jedi. This character is like just made to like stab me right through the heart with this green laser sword. Uh, this was one of my favorites. I loved getting Gunji back. Yeah, this is another one where you know they set us up to once again have me reset where we know this character from um yet another clone wars character being brought into the main character gunji survived order 66 how cool is that he's here and he's he's great and he looks great and he has his green lightsaber um gunji we first met in an arc where ahsoka tano during the clone wars took a group of jedi younglings on a quest to get their kyber crystals so that they could build their lightsabers and become official Padawans and get chosen by masters. Um, As often happens in a three-episode Clone Wars arc, things went off the rails. The ship ship they were using crashed. Um, They had to survive. They run across a scurvy pirate who we've already mentioned on this podcast named Hondo Anaka, who ends up becoming first uh, a major nuisance to them. And then ends up, but you know, he is truly a pirate with a heart of gold and saves them all. How many times 
is that Hondo story, Brandon? It's, it's every time. It's every Hondo like, arc. It feels especially, like it's generally Hondo's arc. Especially it's like, if it's Hondo and Ahsoka. Like, there is this wave that every time Ahsoka sees Hondo, she has this look on her face and this growl in her voice where she's like, Hondo, not you again. What do you want? What do you want, Hondo? She just does not like this guy. But it gives me hope that he will pop up in uh, the Ahsoka TV show in some uh, way, shape, or form. True for enemies, those two, yeah. But Honda but shows yeah. up, creates problems, and then shows <laughs> and then, that in the end he's a pirate with the heart of gold. That's like yeah. my favorite creates assessment of any Honda Onaka <laughs> yeah. appearance. Creates problem, creates problem, throws hands up and leaves, decides to come back and try to help fix the problem. <laughs> that's that's Hondo in a nutshell. It's a but, pretty uh, successful pattern. This whole episode fun. We got the whole amazing. vibe of the Trandoshans, right? Mm. We get to go to Kashyyyk. It's very, yeah. uh, very cool. Uh, one of my favorite places to stop in. You talk about Star Wars video games, but uh, like I will forever, never forget battling through the jungles there in the various yeah. Battlefront games. Battlefront uh, games. It's such like a cool place to stop in in Star Wars, and it's got all this like fun history and energy around it without mm -hmm. us having spent a great deal of time there uh in a lot of our stuff right so it's yeah. really fun in that way yeah we get the recontextualization or the in case you forgot why wookies and Trandoshans don't like each other because we saw uh black chrysanthemum attack those those uh Trandoshans mm -hmm. in the bar during book of boba fett this is a further contextualization of that um, relationship between these two alien races where you know Trandoshans basically took the side of the Empire for profit started enslaving and selling Wookiees to the Empire to help build all of their different bases and super weapons and etc cetera, etc cetera. and so there is a long-standing blood feud between Trandoshans and Wookiees and it's actually one of the most fun dynamics to play if you have a Wookiee and a Trandoshan on the same side of an RPG game where you have two characters that are like not supposed to like each other and they're gonna have to figure it out. It's very fun. Yeah. Uh, it's really mm -hmm. cool energy. You reminded me of this context when we were watching the book mm -hmm. of Boba Fett. I had seen as well, and I saw that you had clocked it in, in our notes here, that this mm -hmm. was supposed to be an episode for the Clone Wars. Yes. And it got scrapped. This was originally going to be like a whole arc involving Yoda on Kashyyyk. Yeah. Notoriously, mm -hmm. uh, Yoda is kind of there at the end when Order 66 gets dropped, right? It's the Wookiees that kind of help him get off world and escape and, and that uh, they repurpose purpose this but there was so much cool little stuff in this episode yeah. and the way that i think like um you know the, our, our previous episode our treasure hunt was just kind of generically fun this had a bunch of really neat deep lore about mm -hmm. them kind of talking to the trees and they're riding around on like these crazy animals and the weird like jungle spiders it was a lot jungle of jungle spiders stuff. straight out of knights of the old republic they're one of the first um creatures that you fight in knights of the old republic when you go to the ruins of the old Jedi temple when you're trying mm -hmm. to find Jedi survivors, you're in like this field outside of the temple and all these crazy looking like mutant spiders come out and they're exactly the same looking spider that are in this episode. Yeah. Hell yeah. 
Uh, that's fantastic. Very mm. fun to see it. I dug it. I love the whole beat, right? It's fun to see yeah. a lightsaber show up, uh, given the like, context of the, this time in, in the era that we are. There's not a lot of Jedi that we can throw out in the mix. So it's a really fun, to your point earlier, confirmation that Gunji survived Order 66. He's out here. We get a little mm-hmm. Jedi action. It's cool to even stop in on that beat, right? It was a small scene, but I love like they're getting back on the ship, and he's afraid, man. He's hiding mm-hmm. in the back like these yep. clones, the whole hesitation to go with them, them having to kind of explain that to Omega. I thought they tackled a lot of stuff here, just in terms yeah. of like character development for some of our main characters. The fact that they're going to do the right thing, they're willing to go to Kashyyyk. There's some like reservation there on Hunter's part of like, gosh, mm. do we do this? And then are they going to the even whole... accept us? Like, right? Not just blow us out of the sky as soon as we land there, thinking that we're a bunch of clone troopers and. You know, because they know what happened on Kashyyyk with Yoda and that the clone troopers turned on everyone. So, like, what's going to stop the Wookiees from just attacking them as soon as they land? Precisely. And then we play it out in the metaphor with Mm. the spiders of Gunji. Like, no, no, no. If we don't do any harm, they won't do any harm to us. Uh, It was really very compelling stuff, right? And then the whole even, like, quiet tragedy of Gunji, like, talking and and Omega having to keep getting the translations, which is Mm. always fun with Wookiees. But to have him be like, oh, no, I can only remember this place in my dreams, right? Mm. And the stinger at the end of, like, he may be a Jedi, but he's still a child. Like, he needs his people. I I really loved it. This one, uh, yeah. It's way right it. into my heart. This is absolutely strong. Loved it. And one of the best things that one of the best small beats of this episode that I really appreciated is, you know, you have Gunji basically talking to the trees, asking the trees for help in the battle against the conscripts that come to try to, you know, get get rid of the clone, get rid of Clone Force ninety nine and attack the Wookies. And you you have him asking the trees for permission, and Omega just instinctively kneels next to him, and like uh, also attempts to like meditate with the trees. Mm-hmm. And it's this first sort of hint that we've gotten in a while to Omega's at least maybe latent force sensitivity, or at least her attempts to tap into the force that may or may not bear fruit. Um, and I, I think that they may by the end of this season, but it'll be really interesting. I mean, we know that she has a gift that she was given by the Kaminoans that made her a special kind of clone. We don't know what that gift is yet. Middle Glorians. Uh, yeah. uh, no, yeah, but exactly. jokes aside, like it's it, that's a fun fun notion for us to track it really is cool this question it's always fun to uh, see like oh my god secret force powers emerging in a star wars story mm-hmm. but beyond that i think it plays to what you were talking about earlier which is her learning right she will take the meditation away from this right like mm-hmm. uh, she's impacted by this experience it changes her that's character growth man that's the good yeah. stuff that's part of what makes ahsoka tano one of the most compelling characters mm-hmm. in star wars for me is because she emerges like very annoying little kid <laughs> and wraps up a seven season arc as like this really capable, confident person because of all the things that happened to her. And we love to see it growth, baby. Um, so episode seven, oh the clone God, conspiracy. Yes. Now it's we're getting it. into it, Brendan. Yeah, now baby. we're into like the nitty gritty. This is yeah. back to like the canon, as it were, back to the kind of like main through plot that, that it seems like we're tracking it away from yeah. these more kind of like episodic adventures that have uh preceded it. And and we're right up in the thick of it, man. I Green love work. getting like um gritty coruscant, right? Yeah, uh very, very R ninety nine named after named after Clone Force ninety nine. 
where these where these clone troopers who you know what witnessed the destruction of Cam Camino are hanging out and just like not sure what to do next. Yeah, the the whole clone yeah. bar is like very very mm -hmm. fun, uh, great place to stop in, and the idea that they're like talking about um, these lies and, and yeah. this whole like misrepresentation, this manipulation that Rampart is like pushing out there, and that we're getting to the point of like the clones really asking questions, and it's circling back to the whole Cody kind of crosshair dynamic mm -hmm. from Episode Three of like the difference between us and the droids is like we get to make decisions, we are still people, we may be yeah. like clones, but um so very compelling this this whole run for me here yeah and it also brings to mind i mean we talked about the the idea of the clone conspiracy earlier as a overarching plot but you have to remember back in clone wars the original arc that was titled the clone conspiracy which involved tups and fives and tups was a clone whose chip malfunctioned and he executed order 66 early and mm -hmm. shot his jedi general killing them and then got arrested, was declared basically insane. And then basically the whole thing was covered up. Fives, his best friend, tries to expose the conspiracy and then ends up getting his like brain melted as well, basically, trying to expose the conspiracy of what happened to Tup. Um, it's like really, really tragic. It's a really sad arc, but a really compelling one because it's yet another instance of the whole thing just almost like coming a hair's breadth from blowing up in the Emperor's face and him being able to actually cover all of it up. It's I know it's the Palpatine of it so all at close. the end. I mean, this one's so connected to yeah. eight, right? This is mm. a two-part arc that we're getting, and having Palpatine show up at the end, and once again, Palpatine like set this whole thing up to fall like this cascade of dominoes. That's mm. part of the brilliance of like the whole plan. And when you go back to the prequel and kind of track all of it, for as inelegant as many things were in the prequel, mm. uh, the laser swords are. A very elegant weapon. Uh, I know they're not laser swords, my friends. But the 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 whole idea that Palpatine is able to like consistently create these like rows of dominoes, mm -hmm. right? And it creates distance between himself and the the end impact, right? The end result of these things. And he's so kind of far removed from it. By the time that this failure cascade plays out, he gets what he wants. That nobody's ever looking there, and it's really right. fun. Again, like the same but different, right? We're seeing him do the same type of thing in a very different way mm -hmm. and it's very it's very fun to watch it all play out rampart being like used as a cat's paw to some degree yeah. right he's such yeah, a smarmy a kind of mid-level villain that he's it really does patsy. make sense yeah mm -hmm. that he is the perfect patsy and and the way that it's like playing back and forth between this energy uh the, the delving into the senate and we get to see organa we get to see a lot of familiar faces it's very yeah. very cool great to see male great to see an r2 unit that's not r2 d2 r2 yeah. d4 and i was a little confused at first because he's got that same blue bright blue coloring as r2 d2 so i was like did he just get renamed for this so that nobody would know it was r2 d2 but no it is a different astromech droid with bale in these two episodes but it's great to see bale um we're reintroduced to pad one of padme's good friends senator roy rayo chuchi yeah, and from, I had to even ask you because yeah. she like seemed very familiar to me, and I was like, "Gosh, I should know who she is," but I don't remember her. Yeah, uh, and, and a prominent character from Clone Wars, huh? Yeah, very prominent. She's a Pat Patoran, uh senator 
from Patora. Um, she's really, really cool. She's one of Padme's good friends. We first see her early on when there's a Separatist blockade on her homeworld, and Anakin and Padme dispatch to go help negotiate the blockade and get her planet free. Um, and then she pops up in several, basically any directly Senate-related episode of Clone Wars throughout the seven seasons, she's at least going to be in the background. Because uh, she's, like, like, a peer to Padme. Yeah. They're of an age. They're, exactly. they're very, like, yep. similarly minded. I mean, even if you've never seen her before, she's immediately rootable, right? She shows up yep. and is, like, saying all the stuff. It's, it's a show that is so centered around the Clone Wars and mm. uh, the Clone Troopers, I should say. It really is awesome to have this advocate for them and somebody trying to do good. It, it like, um, also just emboldens the notion that, like, all of this doesn't happen overnight. Uh, Palpatine is still, like, working. The Emperor still is, like, a lot of work to do to get the empire to the state yeah. that we will find it 20 years from now when when a young luke skywalker is farming his way uh around tattooing right um yeah we get the call back to the garage i mean there's there's a bunch of kind of through lines here that tie back to this familiar energy which is very fun yeah for sure and it's i mean it's these really i mean we might as well talk about them as a pair they're they're really well structured as a pair but Seven is yet another instance of an episode that doesn't feature the Bad Batch that is incredibly fantastic. Um, and I mean, between, you know, we, if you want to say Crosshair is a member of the Bad Batch still, but I wouldn't. Um, but we have two episodes of this first half of the season that don't feature the Bad Batch at all. Yeah. Um, but we do get the return of Captain Rex. It's very cool to get mm -hmm. the other side of the Rex and Cody duo, yeah. right? When right. when we hear from this clone, um, what's his name? Sid? It's not Sid. It's something like that. Uh, he, no, it's sorry. Let me, let me check the notes. Uh, yeah, but but yeah. either way, like when right. he's saying to the senator, like, "Oh, I'm here to meet somebody, somebody that's going to get me out." And, and yeah. there's so many fun ideas now. Now all of a oh, sudden, so can we be. can yeah. start thinking about like, "Oh gosh, is it Rex? Is it one of the clones?" Like even early yeah. allusions to the path and all the stuff that we're going to kind of get on Obi Wan later on. Like yep. I, I was very curious to see who this was going to be to get him out. And when Rex shows up, you're just like, "Hell like, yes!" This you're is like, so "Oh, cool. this makes so much sense too," because this happened last season yep. where Rex was the guy in the cloak. It's the mysterious guy that's trying to help all the clones or anybody clone related get out. Um, so we have Slip and Cade here and we actually find out, um, I had forgotten this and actually found this out online afterwards. So he has Slip and Cade uh, and Royo meet in a garage and that garage is Trace and her sister's garage from the last season of Clone Wars. Right. And that's yeah. like the Ahsoka arc when she yeah, kind of goes off on yeah. her own and she's going to connect with a couple of yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So we're getting lots of connections here. That's what I'm saying. It feels really fun, um, mm -hmm. when, especially when you know you have these properties coming like Ahsoka, right? Uh, Dave Filoni deeply involved with this project and knowing mm -hmm. that he's got these sort of alternative places to start laying groundwork to develop some of the world building and put some more context out there and remind us of these what might be very small moments from a really long run of episodes that we mm -hmm. get in the Clone Wars to, to bring our attention back to like, especially 
the end of Ahsoka's arc. Like that feels pointed to me that we're yeah, in that garage sure. again and, and looking at kind of the end of Ahsoka's journey. Um, very cool stuff, right? I mean, the, the whole beat of like Rampart ultimately not being able to like pull the plan off, him getting mm. like blown up in the Senate. It's very fun. It's a Godfather-like kind of like cutting that we're doing back and right. forth as the Senate thing is happening in there, sort of like pressing through the ship on the venture, trying to like yeah. get to the actual data that has been backstored and get it to the Senate in time. Uh, a lot of like fun tension and really kind of good story playing, storytelling. And exactly. having Palpatine show up at the end to be like, oh, what an unfortunate circumstance. Oh, Perhaps no. we should just do this. It's like, yeah. my word, hmm. this was great, man. Very cool. And to have Ian McDermott himself return just for these 30 seconds of dialogue is like, how do they just, like Ian McDermott is just sitting in, you know, the English countryside waiting for Lucasfilm to call and say, how much, you know, how much do we need to pay you to do 30 seconds of dialogue in our cartoon? <laughs> and then they just back up the truck to Ian McDermott and he's probably sitting in his closet, you know, on his, you know, in his, in his country estate recording Clone Wars. And I like that. It's, it makes me really happy. Me too, man. It's very fun to be able to pull on um, these storied voices from yeah. from the like lexicon that is Star Wars. That's it. That's the bad match. That's the first half here. So I think it's got some great setup. You know, I mean, like we said early on, I think there's a couple episodes that are what they are. They're fun, episodic, like Star Wars cartoon energy. You know, and there are a couple that are doing some really kind of like bigger storytelling. Let's say, and then there are a couple that I think are actually doing some like higher storytelling. Let's say, yeah. in terms of like um really like doing some great stuff in a 23 minute runtime executing on a lot of like different ideas and themes in a, in a really kind of fluid tight way that i thought was impressive uh, but is there anything else that like i'm overlooking that you want to circle back on yeah i mean i just think it's really really neat that we're getting this you know finally getting into this overarching plot of phasing out clones because there's you know we we meet you know minor spoilers for rebels but we meet rex much later on in star wars rebels with a couple of other clones where he's just hanging out and retired you know and we so now we're sort of filling in that gap of what happened between you know when we saw rex in season one of the bad batch and when we get to see the older rex in rebels and it's really I, I, great i love that fill that is. in you know, and so there's going to be a lot of rebellion, I think, that we're about we're ab about to see that maybe it was actually clones that were responsible for the true start of the rebellion and the uh, rebel it alliance. Could you know? be very cool to watch some yeah. of these clones get like swept up and all that. I love the old sure. arc wreck or the old Rex arc that we get mm -hmm. in Rebels. It really is like cool to see him hold up with uh, a couple of these other grizzled veterans showing up in the nick of time. It'll be really interesting to see how much they use those characters. I think it's really smart. You know, it's mm -hmm. telling that Dave Filoni, with as much kind of um, like creative input as he has at this point, has chosen this as the series to follow. Follow up sure. the Clone Wars. And I think it's like a question, certainly, that has been asked by many in the Star Wars community of like, really, the Bad Batch? Okay. You know, um, and, and to a degree, like, 
some of it is like so compelling and i really mm. love that it feels to me the more we get of it brendan like feloni's got a big story inside of this yeah, that he exactly. wants to tell like mm. i think to some degree it's a really fun space for him to jaunt about like i'm saying earlier and tell yeah. these smaller story stories and like lesser kind of frequented parts of the star wars galaxy yeah. but in another way like this guy's got a big meta plot idea that he's trying to yeah. exercise through the vehicle of the show and like i'm here for it yeah i mean i think it's quite possible that we get the actual you know name drop of the path that we got in obi-wan being created in this show by royo chuchi trying to get clones out you know what i mean like it's, yes i think that i think it's quite possible that we get the path started here very possible to get resistance fighters away from imperial strongholds so very possible very likely and we shall see uh we're, i think that our plan here is we're going to watch the rest of the season and we'll circle mm -hmm. back at the end and uh, certainly at least come back one more time to kind of give our notes on this thing overall but while we're here brendan uh we should do something arbitrary and reductive why don't we rank these episodes I would love to rank these episodes arbitrarily and reductively, um, <laughs> you know, because I am both and have been known to be both. Um, what what is what is the force, but not arbitration, persevering? I don't know. Uh, yeah, something, something like that. <laughs> I tried uh, to do something there. It didn't quite work. Neither of <laughs> us are exactly like vision, the supercomputer, you know, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what can we say? So that being said, we should go, I want to, I guess, hear yours first, rather than okay. us going back and forth. Why don't you go, uh, from eight up to one, you're going to rank them all. Uh, yes, I, I presume. Yeah. Yeah. I got all of them in a row. So, uh, the lowest for me right now is four. Mm -hmm. Even though we talked about how much fun I had with that episode, it's still the lowest one for me, followed by five, which is our uh, treasure hunt, mm -hmm. followed by one, which was the premiere where we got the Bad Batch starting off on their new, uh, you know, their new quest, and then two, and then three, which I actually thought was going to be a lot higher mm -hmm. until six, eight, and then seven happened. Uh... Um, I love to see it. We have like a good deal of, I think, like variation in yeah. where I'm coming from here. Okay. Uh, for me, so I'm going to go from the top down. I'm going to start with one oh, to like really invert this. But I had three a little bit higher than six. Oh. And I have three and six definitely as my one and two. Um, oh, wow. Even though yeah. like they're, they're not part of this grander meta plot. Mm. That's part of, I think, what I dig about this. That's part of what I loved about the Clone Wars. Like I really love, obviously, the kind of... Of like Mandalorian arcs, we get so much stuff with Dooku, but there are like some of these episodes of the Clone Wars that are like very random, where we're doing like a totally random thing, like mm. escorting Gunji, the the, the Jedi Wookiee, to go get his Kyber crystal, and Hondo mm. shows up, and this was some of my favorite <laughs> stuff. And I think in that same way, um, I really loved six, but three, I'm giving a little bit higher, just because like Fair. man, it hit me sideways in nice. terms of like the the big Andor vibe as it were there yeah and that's where seven hit me on that same level um mm -hmm. in a different way and six six i know you love a wookie 
Yeah, so I do not, I do not begrudge you making six your number two episode because I, I know you, you love a Wookiee, especially a Wookiee Jedi. So yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> it's impossible. There's really no <laughs> way around it. Uh, for these next two, you're one and two. You had seven as first place, and then eight. Yeah, I have eight in fourth, and then seven in or yeah. eight and third, okay. and seven in fourth. I think eight I love a little bit more because of the Palpatine reveal. Like it is the payoff yeah. half of these two part. I think that's uh, fair. setup. You know. Um, from there, gosh, you know, one and two, it's a little bit of a toss up. It's been right. a while since we watched them, right. but I think I'm going to say, uh, episode one and then episode two, I really like the weird, like start of episode one of like, we're fishing mm. and just like hanging out and like yeah. the, the Indiana Jones callback of it all. Like, yeah. uh, like Omega kind of like being much more badass and able to use the bow and hanging from the right. ship. It stood out to me a little bit more like as I'm thinking back right uh and then we get to like our final two which i think we're bundled up pretty tight i'm mm -hmm. gonna put the races and then last place i think is the pirate jaunt for me oh wow uh, okay. the pirate jaunt was fine but i was very much like okay you know uh, yeah. the races i liked because teo really felt to me like a, a mike bloom fever dream that yeah. <laughs> i think that's show. fair i think that's yeah. fair um, how many how many more PSR adjacent podcasters can we mention? Um, let's see, uh, Josh Wiggler. <laughs> yeah, we could do a bunch. We could do a bunch, uh, certainly. Uh, I will mention a few at least in a moment as I All give right. the closing plugs. But Brendan, if folks want to find out what you're doing and uh, what you're keeping up to, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me every week podcasting about movies at the Movie Ladder, uh, where I podcast a weekly movie club with uh my buddy zach brooks uh last week we podcasted about treasure of the sierra madre the classic film starring humphrey bogart and tomorrow we'll be recording our episode on once upon a time in the west from sergio leone uh it'll be my first time watching it i'm very very excited i'm actually going to watch it tonight as soon as we hang up this call so that i can take notes and get ready for the podcast tomorrow um but yeah you can follow me on twitter at fitzy brendan or at movie at ladder movie um, or you can follow me on Instagram at both of those as well. Heck yeah. Uh, you're going to have a good time. It's a good movie. So enjoy your evening with that. Uh, I will mention a bunch of other PSR adjacent podcasters. Is, <laughs> I'm doing a bunch of stuff out here. We're obviously getting ready to ramp up our Mando coverage. You're going to be hearing from us pretty soon uh, as we're doing our previews for that, getting hyped to go back to uh, babysitting Sweet Grogu rather than be a uh, lot of fun. Yeah, rather than our girl in the apocalypse. Go Pedro Pascal, it is your time. <laughs> I am doing the Dark Rewatch podcast with Grace Leader and Ariel. We're talking about Dark every week. Full spoiler rewatch. It's been a ton of fun to kind of go back through that show with such a fine-tooth comb and really take it all apart. Grace and I are also talking about Mayfair Witches. That's been a fun little um, exploration mm. of this kind of Anne Rice extended universe that is happening on AMC these days. That's just the got a second season two right it sure did yeah, yeah. Okay. uh amc going all in on the Anne rice properties the mm -hmm. interview with the vampire ad this summer which was excellent mayfair which is airing now which is airing now um mm -hmm. and yeah and a new podcast for those of you we talked about the star wars tabletop role-playing game that we did in this very feed once upon a time a long time ago but uh psrpgs there's a new feed out there postshowrecaps.com slash rpgs you can find it i am running one-shot adventures
characters in the worlds of the shows and the movies that we're talking about and covering here. Hopefully ones that feel like they're happening just off screen. And I'm currently, we're up to chapter two of three of the Willow PSRPG, where I've been playing, uh, running fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons for Grace Leader, Marissa Garza, Taylor Ball, and myself. And it's been a romp, Brendan. It's a very fun adventure. So I invite people to go scope that out as we're just getting our feet situated underneath us. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining me, Brendan. Thank you for listening, everybody. We will be back at the end of the season to talk about the rest of the Bad Batch season two. You will hear from us before then, but nonetheless, may the force be with you. Go.